This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the Wharton School in San Francisco, this is Bay Area Ventures on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here are Doug Collum and Irene Yen. Welcome to Bay Area Ventures on Sirius XM's Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. We're broadcasting live from the campus of Wharton San Francisco downtown and right next door to Silicon Valley. I'm your host, Irina Yen, along with my co-host, Doug Collum. And nothing has changed. Our theme is the same. Mm-hmm. We are Bay Area Ventures. It's all about the world of entrepreneurship and startups and venture capital, um, mostly focused on companies and investors here in the San Francisco Bay Area. We, we air live every Monday at 4 o'clock p.m., at 7 p.m. Eastern in order to optimize everyone's right. commute hour. We got and you on the commute. <laughs> and then the uh, program re-airs again throughout the week. So each week we have a bunch of people who join us. Today is a special day, as Irina will tell you. And uh, I think it will be an interesting program today. Yeah, I think it will sure. be really interesting. Yeah. Um, as a reminder, this is a talk show. So if you're listening and you have a question for our guest coming up, you can reach us at 844-WHARTON. That's 844 Seven eight six six. Now, as Doug mentioned today, we do have a special show for you. This is Bay Area Ventures Venture Initiation Program, or VIP edition. So what does that mean? The VIP program here at Wharton San Francisco, or Venture Initiation Program, is an accelerator here at Wharton. And it's an accelerator that's open to Penn students and Penn alum, so across the whole university, um, located here in San Francisco. And those are for, for companies who are developing, um, teams that are developing their own ventures. So it's a four-month program. It runs twice a year. And the folks that we'll be speaking with today are teams that have recently graduated from the fall cohort. They're part of the fall cohort. So um, it's very competitive to get into VIP. Uh, these teams aren't kicking tires and, you know, f- you know, still ideating, if you will. These are companies that already have validated product market fit. Um, they have measurable traction, and they really want to take use the time to move their companies forward against specific milestones, and it's pretty intense. So, Irina, are mm-hmm. all four teams, so we're going to have a half-hour segment for right. each of the four teams. Mm-hmm. Are they all based here in, in the Bay Area? They are. So the program is, quote, residential. You have to be local because you're meeting with advising one-on-one, mentors, and your cohort, you know, in person. So all the teams are Bay Area Ventures. Also. And then the last question for me, I mean, is there a, a metric that a VIP uses to measure the success or traction of the teams as they go forward? As they go forward, we keep in touch with them. So it's, that, you know, are they still growing? Are more products being rolled out? Are revenues increasing? Customers, users increasing? That sort of thing. But there, uh, there's an automatic turnover at the end of four months. That's right. Okay. So we got to kick the birds out of the nest so they can stand on their own two feet and they do great. Um, some go on to, you know, some go on to continue growing. Some, you know, a- apply and get into other accelerators here in the Bay Area like YC and others. So it's really uh, inspiring. So can't wait to hear about the teams. Great. So our first team, we're joined uh, now in the studio by our first guests, Margot Schmorak and David Jacoby, who are the co-founders of Hostfully. And Hostfully is a venture-funded startup in the vacation rental space, and we're excited to hear how they're doing. Margot and David, welcome to the show. It's good to Thank see you, you both. Hey, thanks for having us. So, you know, to set the stage for our listeners, if you would, we're wondering, and Doug, you know, with a kind of a blink or wink in his eye, an elevator pitch, if you could talk about the company in the elevator pitch, uh, and then follow up with just a snapshot of the company, how big you guys are, what stage you're at, that sort of thing. Sure. 
So Hostfully is a platform for vacation rental companies that manage multiple properties. Think like a company in Tahoe or a company in the Jersey Shore or Savannah, Georgia. They're managing a lot of properties, and they need to create a great customer experience. So they need to be able to communicate with their customers really well, too. So the Hostfully Digital Guidebook platform helps these companies create beautiful digital guidebooks that they share with their guests. And the guidebooks include um, important property information, like how to access the unit, how to check in, and also local recommendations recommendations so that they can help make those traveler experiences really special. Wow. So it makes it easier. You go in. So if I'm a, if I'm a guest at an Airbnb or at a VRBO, for example, um, how do I log on? Like, what do I do? Or well, let's, let's talk about that later, I guess, the experience. Let's first get a snapshot. I'm, yeah, sorry, I was going yeah, to yeah. ask, so how long has the company right. been around and how far down the path have you guys come so far? Um, so we were founded in 2015 at the very end of the year, like December gives us a little bit of a longer time, depending on how you want to position it. But um, we've really gone through a lot of evolution since then. We were actually originally building a product for Airbnb hosts. Um, David's one, and he'll tell you his story later. But we've made some changes in the business, and now we're actually serving companies that manage up to hundreds or even thousands of properties, and we're helping those companies build digital guidebooks for their customer, for their customers. So, so mm-hmm. where are your offices located and how many employees and, you know, are, are you revenue generating at this point? And, you know, just give us a general kind of snapshot of the company. Sure. Our offices are all over the world already. Now we have a team of nine and two are here in San Francisco. So we're a remote team. Two are here in San Francisco, two in the South Bay, one in New Mexico, one in Los Angeles, one in Toronto, two in Australia. So we have a lot of Google Hangouts, a lot of conference calls, and it's been great having a team all over. Uh, We Everyone has is very excited about the product and believe in, in what we do. So they are taking below market rate salaries and a little more equity than probably normal. Mm-hmm. And uh, that allows us to be distributed and we'll take people everywhere. Yeah. Wow. I would point out that um, for people who may recognize, I mean, Margo and David were both here on the program, what, two years ago? Right. So... Um, Early they're, days. They're yeah. back. Yeah. And they're back. Got a, it's a new story. It's a, it's a <laughs> continuing story. The adventure continues. Well, we're so excited to be back here on this show because actually during the last show, we had two people contact us after the show and want to invest in the company, and they wow. did. Um, uh, hey, Curian. Hey, Neil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening. Yeah, and uh, we're thrilled to have them as part of our round. And actually, Neil uh, followed our progress really closely, and he actually ended up investing twice. So, um, yeah. you know, it really speaks to the kind of relationships that we've had with our investors over the years um, in that they see what the progress, see the progress that we've made and that they're excited about it and they want to continue with us. So just, just to emphasize the fact you guys have been successful in raising some level of fin- financing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we raised a pre-seed round that we closed last fall, and we're really excited about that, and it's given us um, a really decent runway to, to, to move forward with. Um, a lot of, we, we had some surprising things that happened in that round. One was that we ended up raising smaller check sizes from investors than we had previously planned for. Mm-hmm. Um, but second is that we had a lot of customers come on board as investors. Who and vote with their feet. David right, really exactly. me on that one. He was like, we should reach out to our customers. I was like, oh, really? And then we had, I think, three, four, five, maybe even. Yeah, that was huge for our team. So yeah. we uh, were live on AngelList, and mm-hmm. that allows people to invest for as little as $1,000. So it's kind of a rolling yeah. process by which you're, s- are you still raising money or are you, have you closed it? round has closed. Yeah. We're about to raise another. You can talk about that if you want. But with yeah. the, the last round that closed, we uh, had a part of that on AngelList. And as I said, minimum investment 1000 And that allowed a lot of our fans to be a part of it. And that was really heartwarming for the whole team. Some of our engineers yeah. who don't really chat much with our users to see how enthusiastic our users are. 
Yeah, it's exciting. Just, just one point of vernacular because people who don't live in you know the tech sector in Silicon Valley. So, Marco, what what is the difference between a pre-seed investment <laughs> and a seed investment? Right. Oh yeah. man, I feel like you're putting me on the spot. I am. This no, is a, <laughs> this okay. is a, a curveball. So, in the Silicon Valley. Um, Pre-seed is, you know, both of them are, you're, you're betting on a vision, right? So you're not looking for super hard traction numbers. Um, later on in, in, in like a series A, series B, you're looking for really specific metrics to look at like how much money is going into the business and how much money is going yeah. out. But in pre-seed and seed, it's much more about the storytelling of the founders and the vision that they're going for, the size of the market, the capabilities of the team. I think the difference between seed and pre-seed is that pre-seed is more betting on a vision and less metrics and less traction, and seed is a little bit more traction. Here in the Bay Area, you know, if you look at different VCs that are talking about how they categorize those, yeah. those two, yeah. um, many of them will say that you need you know, dollars $40,000 in monthly recurring revenue to be qualified for seed, um, so that if if you're not there yet, you should be really raising pre-seed. So pre-seed tends to be smaller check sizes, tends to be smaller recurring revenue amounts, um, and then seed is a little bit more proven. So I, it's it's just it's like how big is your sample size of data that you're looking at yeah. for the company, right. and then how predictable <coughs> is the revenue stream based on that sample size? Well, and that's a great that's a great way to define it. That's how I'm thinking about it. And, yeah. and you know, everybody <coughs> has different opinions about what the break point is. So I read them all and. I don't know the answer, but uh, yeah. we're excited about the progress and, we've made. And I feel like there's been a big change even over the past three years since we've been doing Hostfully in the definitions for that. Seed rounds right. yes. used to be it's very early on, yeah. right away. Maybe you have no revenue, and now you rarely see that with seed rounds. Yeah, right. they still want to see the data backing it up. You know, it may be a vision, but to your point is that, you know, how predictable is the revenue in that sample yeah. size? Yeah. And, yeah. and seed stage companies, I mean, seed stage rounds today are substantially bigger than they were, say, 10 years ago. Right. So right. It feels you more like an institutional round mm-hmm. of financing. Exactly. So. I mean, seed s- size rounds can be up to $3 million, even $4 million <laughs> for a, wow. seed, a seed round. I mean, they can also be as small as a half a million, but, yeah. um, but more like million. Yeah, a you're million talking plus. a lot of money, right. even yeah. at seed stage companies. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the inspiration, you guys, behind this idea? For it. Yeah. Sure. So really my own experiences as both a host and before that a traveler. So about eight years ago, my wife and I, uh, we took a one-year sabbatical and traveled around the world nice. and went to... God, I thought there was I a know, federal statute a thing, yeah. against that. <laughs> yeah. 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 We, had, we had our one year of fun before we have kids in our handcuff for the next yeah. 20 years. Oh, Not that the same <laughs> fun, just a different kind of fun. And we went to 27 countries and wow. in five continents and Yikes. stayed in 38 homes during that trip. That's amazing. Yeah, that's when I first realized the incredible influence that the host has on the guest's stay. Anything a host told us to do went to the top of the priority list above Lonely Planet or TripAdvisor or Yelp. Right. You know, we got the inside scoop, the, mm-hmm. the hidden gem. And then after that trip, we moved here to San Francisco into a single-family home, and we renovated the basement and turned it into an in-law unit primarily so my parents could come out from Connecticut and spend three months a year with their grandkids. They don't care about me anymore, just yeah. the grandkids. <laughs> right, I can see why. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other nine months, we started doing short-term rentals with that. And uh, we've had well over 200 guests in our home wow. in the past four years. And I've been an Airbnb super host for over three years in a row now. And I've spoken at their conference for a couple of years. And I, I realized firsthand both the, the pain point of being in constant communication with guest after guest and answering all the questions that they have right. uh, before their trip and then their separate set of questions while they're staying with me. And I also realized the pleasure of hearing from them that they went to my favorite coffee shop and my favorite yeah. brunch spot. Yeah. And yeah. sure, they went to Fisherman's Wharf and Alcatraz and did those touristy things, but it was staying in my neighborhood and going to the places I told them to go to that made their trip memorable and wow. unique. So in 
looking into the space, first I, I met Margot. We were both kind of in transition uh, at the same time, and our kids go to the same preschool, oh, so that's wow. how we met. We were on fun employment. Yep. Went, right. went on a lunch date and started brainstorming, and uh, kind of talks about how the, the space is really focused on getting the reservation. So there's websites like Airbnb and HomeAway, and there's uh, dynamic pricing companies that take the right. hotel revenue management model and bring it into short-term rentals and other software, property management software. But after that reservation is made, there's not a lot of tools to help the host be a better host mm. and provide that five-star hospitality experience. If you've stayed in a vacation rental, maybe you've seen that mediocre-looking three-ring binder. So we're oh, kind of right. taking that and bringing that into the <laughs> so 21st century. So I didn't century. understand that because I would have – when I first – heard your pitch i thought airbnb might be a competitor no it's you 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 bring service at a different right. level so what can you clarify that again for me absolutely and that's kind of part of the, the <coughs> mini pivot i hate using the word right. pivot uh, but we have changed over time so when we launched our focus was on individual airbnb hosts and helping them be a better host after that reservation gets made and then towards the end of 2016 we started getting interest from professional vacation rental management companies, as Margot mentioned, that manage like 100 listings in Tahoe on behalf right. of all those owners. And they said, wow, we want this for all of our homes. Um, we want 100 guidebooks. So we kind of changed from being an individual guidebook to being a enterprise SaaS Absolutely. platform where we're getting oh, subscription see. revenue from these professional companies. Yeah. And, and I, I think for me, it was a really exciting moment when that happened because we stumbled across a really big opportunity that um, other companies are betting on now in the space too, which is that the vacation rental industry has long been underserved by technology. They're using solutions that are decades old. They're not extensible. They don't have a nice, you know, scalable API platform where they can c collaborate with other services in the space. And mm -hmm. so what we've realized is that there's even more opportunity for a company like Hostfully to come in and, and provide one of those services and really upgrade the level of technology that these companies are used to. So when you look at our, our platform, the way it's built, our platform, the way it feels, it feels very consumery, but it is built for businesses. It's really a different feel than a lot of these companies had before. And so that's one of the reasons why we have such excited and referenceable customers because they're, they actually enjoy using the product. And yeah. uh, circling back to <laughs> yeah. our question about Airbnb, our target market, these professional vacation rental managers, they're listing on Airbnb and on HomeAway and VRBO and Booking.com. Right. And most importantly, their own website where they're trying to get as much repeat business so they don't need to pay the commission from Airbnb right. and HomeAway. So they need something that's platform agnostic. So after the reservation gets made, no matter where oh, it's I coming see, yeah. from, they have a separate tool where they can deal with the guests and communicate with the guests. And also enhance their brand awareness. You, you had mentioned about having booked an Airbnb right. or booked a VRBO. That's what a lot of people think. They don't think I booked Joe's Vacation Rentals of Tahoe. And that right. vacation rental manager, they're trying to enhance their brand awareness so they can get repeat bookings directly. Mm -hmm. So what is, what is the financial model for, for Hostfully? Is it is a subscription for the, the so-called – is it a virtual guidebook? Yeah, so it's a it's a freemium model. So mm -hmm. we do allow individual users to sign up and they get one, you know, fully featured guidebook. But then once they want to have multiple guidebooks, which most companies do, then they pay a, a subscription. So it's um it's usually annual subscriptions, um, and you know, we charge differently depending on the size of the company. So as the company gets bigger, we charge you less per guidebook. So, so if if let's say you want to open you want to open a, a region in um, pick a place, pick uh, um, you know Portland, Oregon, mm -hmm. and you don't have you don't have a body on the ground there. How do you 
How do you get local knowledge so you can identify those favorite coffee shops? Of all the vacation rental, of all the vacation destinations, Portland, Oregon, uh, that's great. But uh, we have, Portland. no, we, we have, take it easy. We have, <laughs> love Portland. And so I was just thinking, we, well, we have users all over the world. Yeah. So okay. we have over 6,000 guidebooks in 80 countries. We actually just had a, a guidebook in Uganda get created a few weeks ago, Whoa. which was wow, pretty cool. So how do you and create the local sure. knowledge that makes it special? What we're doing is providing the platform for them to mm. create oh. the content. So they know, first of all, what the Wi-Fi code is and how to turn oh, the I TV see. on yeah, and yeah. how to use the laundry. But they also know their neighborhood and their guests the best. So they are entering in their favorite coffee shop and their favorite restaurant and hike to take. And we make it real easy for them to do it. Like we're integrated with Google. They start typing a couple things and pictures come up and the website comes up and they don't need to copy and paste and stuff like that. But yeah, it's their content. Yeah, we've had users uh, create content over 45,000 times since mm-hmm. the platform was live. So Gosh. It, we made it really easy. Like I said, it's really easy and fun to use. And so it, it feels really simple. I, I'd also say for listeners out there, it's been fascinating to see the various use cases for our platform. We originally thought, and our main focus is on vacation rentals, but we've had people use us for a wedding We've had people use us yeah, for conferences, sense. for uh, for offices where they have lots of, we've had executive assistants, they have lots of clients and employees from other companies coming and they make one for the office that tells people where to park and who to see when they get there and local places to eat and hotels Absolutely. to stay at. So one yeah. guidebook's free. Check it out. Yeah. Yeah. So and for it, people who are just now dialing in, we have the first of four teams who have come through the accelerator. It's called the Wharton Venture Initiation Program. Mm-hmm. And we're speaking with Margot Schmorak and David Jacoby, who are co-founders of Hostfully, which is, as they've been patiently explaining to me, is really a, a platform by which um, you know vacation management companies can provide localized information that makes a, a, a guest's experience special. Mm-hmm. Did I get that right? Yes, yeah. perfect. Yeah, pretty good. Okay. I, can I just bring you along to my next elevator ride? Me <laughs> yeah. waving in the back. So that's really interesting as far as the scope that, but from an industry standpoint. So you're expanding. You, you know, you know, startups are never a straight line, and this turn that you've taken most recently is going uh, creating an enterprise pr- platform mm-hmm. uh, for property management. But one thing that was interesting, you mentioned like folks who are you know, maybe event planners or, you know, office managers are now uh, realizing the benefit of using this, um, pr- um, I guess, product also mm-hmm. in the program. So is the business expanding to focus on those? Because it's really industry agnostic, if you will. Anybody who wants to plan anything yeah. can essentially use you. It is. And that's really exciting. And we love all the engagement that we get from those users. But um, from the CEO and uh, president's right? perspective, <laughs> we need to make money. <laughs> so um, the money it, that we earn, it comes from businesses that have multiple properties. So it doesn't yeah. matter whether it's a corporate rentals company, of which we have two of our largest com- customers are corporate rentals, short-term mm-hmm. corporate rentals companies, or vacation rental, other property management companies. But our mod- you know, the model really gets... <coughs> gets meaningful for us when it's a business that manages multiple properties in different locations so it it, it works for hotels but it doesn't work as well so it's like really designed for um one company that wants to provide local experiences with different locations and they don't need to be vastly different they can even be you know the south side of a city and the north side of the city but um it it really the product's really built for those kind of businesses a lot of feedback that i feel that we've heard from accelerator programs and word on vip is about 
focus as an early stage company. And we have this vision when we talk to investors, we do have this vision of being in all these different verticals. But right now, just because one person uses us for a wedding app, instead of paying money on the not.com, we don't want to suddenly start competing with the not.com and going down a roadmap that takes us that way. So it's fun seeing these different use cases. But right now we we know a place where we're getting pretty consistent revenue and we want to stay focused there. Yeah. And like without going into specifics, I mean, we're doing really well on the revenue side. We've seen 33 three percent month over month growth for the last seven Exciting. months well, that's um, nice. so like <laughs> you know just like we're really excited about the level of focus that we've been able to achieve and also the revenue that we've been able to see from it so i wonder if we can step back from the trees and look at this thing from the forest level i mean so your company's been around for a couple years mm-hmm. so as you sit here two years down the road do you have any um did you start with misconceptions or, or flawed thinking about what this adventure was going to be like? In other words, <laughs> how, is, know, how is your um, – I can tell you're having fun with this, I think. And right, that's, yeah. But how has the adventure changed from where you were two years ago? Well, personally, this is like very – sorry, uh, David's usually the gushy one. But I think <laughs> it's all about your co-founder. I mean, really, like, you know, when we started working together, I wasn't the one who was experiencing this business, this problem that David was. And I kind of said, like, okay, I believe that you have this problem, but I'm not sure how big the market is. And then as we kept going, it's like you have to have a partner who's open-minded and, 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 and willing to just do it together with you, right? You got to be able to see the opportunities when they when they. Um, c- crop up in so front you, of you. So you were kind of the embedded the skeptic, par- right? Yes. <laughs> and, and David had to prove himself to you in order to get this thing to go forward. Yeah, but I think it's more about the commitment of the partnership than anything else. Yeah. Like because it's just it's just like a marriage. You know, when you go in, you don't know how things are going to be. You don't know how things are going to change throughout your life, where you're going to live, all these decisions that you're going to make. And a company is just like that. And you really have to just be as opportunistic, opportunistic as you can at each point. And so I I think the lesson is actually not you know make sure you see the moment to pivot and or you know make sure you raise this kind of money it's really about choose your co-founders wisely because they're going to be the ones who are in the ship with you and like and and that's what the company is about i mean at the end of the day i love you too much (laughs) (laughs) and i'd also say the whole team too and as i mentioned earlier thank you team everyone's taking below market rate salary and the reason why they're on this team is because they love the team and i think that's a big selling point for us we all know how how to have a lot of fun we all have kids and know how to balance work life and prioritize that and it's just great group to be a part of um on on a different note too in terms of just how things have changed yeah i'd say our original focus was thinking we're going to have all these guidebooks out there, these individual Airbnb hosts, and we're going to upsell tours and activities and ground transportation and all these cool things to the tourist who's on vacation spending money. And we know they're using us because at the very least they need to know directions and the Wi-Fi code and stuff like that. And we got some conversions off of that, but it wasn't enough. And that's around the time that we kind of switched our model to getting the subscription revenue from the professional managers themselves. So that's been a big change in our kind of revenue model. Yeah. But so far, so good. I mean, looking at David now, I mean, here we are two years later. Has it turned out to be as, I guess, what's the word? Is, Is it fulfilling, as engaging, as fun, as inspiring? I mean, pick your poison. Is 
Do you like what you're doing? Still, uh, yeah, you're still grounded in the reason why. Is that clear? <laughs> absolutely. I couldn't be happier with everything, yeah. uh, except I probably like to make personally a little more money at this yeah. point. Um, but other than that, everything is is perfect. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I love it. And we're close. Yes. We're growing so fast. I mean, that we can see that um, that light at the end of the tunnel, actually. I, I don't have any doubt that that's going to be happening this year. So. I yeah. I, more and more, if, compared to when we were on the show last time, we hadn't even launched our product live. We were in private beta. And now as every day and every month goes on and as we get more and more clients, it really is a reality that this is here it's and survive. it's not going anywhere <laughs> and it's surviving in some form. So that's pretty cool. That's exciting. Yeah. So would you say you're at the scaling stage now? You said you raised a pre-seed, so I know that implies early. Mm-hmm. But you, you clearly have traction. You have validation. Mm-hmm. So it's yes. actually beyond that. Yeah. More. Yeah, we're we are we've ch- changed our focus to be on customer acquisition now and the scalability of that, um, and also on um, looking at some of the other revenue streams like the scalability of, of you know upselling tourists on ground transportation tourism activities, mm-hmm. and we're seeing really healthy growth on all sides. And mm-hmm. um, like David said b- before, there is this dangerous moment when you kind of realize you're not making enough money from advertising or affiliate revenue because you're in more of a consumer model and you can either keep down, going down that path and just b- run out of money and time or you can make a change. And I think I'm really excited about the change that we made and I don't think it precludes us from still taking advantage of some of the revenue streams that we saw before, yeah. right. but it just gives us a sustainable business. And now we're in a really comfortable position where we, you know, we, we may not have to raise, we want to raise money, but we may not have to just because the business is so healthy. I mean, you make it sound like it's just unbridled fun. Do you guys ever lose, do you lose sleep at night? Yeah. I mean, there are moments where it's tough. Like right before we launched our business grade product, David and I were sort of like tearing our hair out. I was, I'm sure you were too, um, questioning what we were doing. You know, when you don't see revenue and you don't see uh, like really sticky customers and uh, it can be really scary. And I definitely had a few weeks where I was like, is this really what I want to be doing? And, And, but but again, I go back to the team because so much of the decision for me to make this leap was about um, running a business with a good team. And that's what we're doing. And so, like, that's, you know, for me, a big piece of the level of satisfaction. Yeah. That's great. Well, we've got about a minute left. Um, what about um, culture? You know, it's, you know. <laughs> oh, man. The havoc, is, 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 is this, this is what we're experiencing in the room, like everyday life for all of you guys? Well, <laughs> How um, do you guys set the tone? I have to just just put it out there that I'm, I'm quite pregnant. I'm, I'm like five months <laughs> pregnant now. Uh, and I've had a rough pregnancy. And it's been, um, I've been happy to be at Hostfully, but it's also been interesting to, see as the team has can the team do well and can I do well even though I'm having to deal with some health issues along the way and it's my third kid so I'm excited about having another kid but I know how to do it too uh, but it's been a big culture you know a, a, a big signal of our culture as a company for us to have that happen on the team so that's been exciting around for each other <laughs> yes absolutely yeah. it's important for all of us uh being parents having families we work hard don't get me wrong we do have sleepless yeah. nights yeah. but we can also feel like we can leave at four thirty to get our kid or go on a school field trip or do something like right. that and there's no questions asked no weird luck so right. uh balancing both working hard and and having a fun culture right but it doesn't end there once they're down you're back up online exactly. and working yep. exactly <laughs> no but it, but and also it's been able to, we've been able to attract better, more cheap talent, actually, because of that. So when people interview with us, they see that we're parents and we, th- we, we see that yeah. they see we take it seriously and they're more willing yeah. to take a risk on us. Well, thanks, you guys. It was great to catch up with you. Thanks for joining us today. And if listeners want to learn more about Hostfully, they can go online at www.hostfully.com. Anywhere else? 
uh, H-O-S-T-F-U-L-L-Y.com. They say it Y? Yeah, Y.com. Okay, great. So we need to take a short break, but when we come back, we'll be speaking with Corey Bray and Hillman Sori, the co-founders of Closed Loop, oh a knowledge management platform for sales teams. You're listening to Bay Area Ventures on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM 111. We'll be right back. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu. 